Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Run Out Radio, brought to you by Lukasi Cues, the Tap League, and Simonis Billiard Cloth. I'm Jerry Forsyth, and as always, I'm joined by Mike Howerton. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Once again, glad to be home. Oh, man, isn't that the truth? This uh, traveling for a living gets a little bit old. <laughs> It wasn't uh, it wasn't that long a trip for me to Vegas this time, but uh, what was it? Twelve days out there? Uh, yeah, it was for you. <laughs> <laughs> I escaped a little early, uh, but I'm always glad to escape the rib. I was very pleased to see that they filed for bankruptcy. Maybe they'll be gone soon. <laughs> well, uh, as as much as that feeling may be. Um, I will miss. I mean, I, I, I would assume that we're going to be going to the Riv until the year 2099. But um, you know, when the day comes that that tournament is not at the Riv anymore, I will miss it. Yeah, of course, I miss the days when it was at the Sahara. So um, life goes on, even when the uh, BCAPL Nationals move to another venue. And that was one of the events going on, but the two events that we were there to cover uh, were Matchrooms, uh, uh, Whirlpool Masters, and of course the uh, CSI event, U.S. Open 10 Ball. Yeah, uh, both real good events. Um, and right off the bat, both won by uh, Filipino players. Yeah, wouldn't you know they'd come back <laughs> onto the world scene just in time to capture two consecutive events. Well, actually, they did more than that, if you think about it. Um, they had the Mez event in L.A. at Hard Times right before the back-to-back tournaments in Vegas. Nice scheduling job there. And while the Mez event was going on, uh, one of our uh, sponsors, Bonus Ball, had their tournament out in Canada, and all four of those events were won by Filipino players. Congratulations, Perry Mariano. Yeah, he uh, he comes out looking good. You had uh, Lee Van Corteza winning the Mez event. Bustamante won the bonus ball event. And on a side note, did it seem to you as if the players that played in the bonus ball event struggled a little bit in the Masters? Uh, that did seem to be so. I don't know if it was the, uh, the recent travel or what, but uh, they, they did have a, a pretty rough string of luck. Speaking of which, and I should have brought this up earlier, one of those bonus ball players, Johnny Archer, formed a new players organization while we were in Vegas, and we were talking to Johnny later, along with promoter Barry Berman of the U.S. Open. Yep, Johnny formed that new organization, and and we'll certainly get to that. Um, Just wanted to to finish the thought, though, on the Filipino players. Um, Dennis Orcoyo won the Masters, and Mm -hmm. Corteza came back after his Mez event win and won the U.S. Open 10 ball. So that's four major events in a row won by Filipino players. Um, I mean, we've talked a number of times about the U.S. players and how they're they're kind of struggling at the moment and, and have been maybe for the last couple of years where the European players have stepped up and really uh, taken the game or taken control of the game in, in its different disciplines. Um, 
now the Filipino players are back, and it should be very interesting to see who's going to dominate over the next year or so. That will be interesting, and particularly to me, because a couple of years ago, I was predicting that it, by this time, uh, neither of those groups would be in charge. I thought it was going to be our Chinese friends, Taiwanese players, uh, that would be coming on strong now, but they really seem to have fallen well back into the pack. And like you say, it's all uh, the Philippines and uh, Northern Europe. Well, and I've agreed with you thinking that a player such as Yang, I still to this day don't understand how Yang has not performed much, much better than he has. Um, but that that's a whole other story. But Yang and Ko and Po Cheng Kuo and those players, you just expect that they're going to have great tournaments, and they haven't. On the other hand, uh, look at uh, Korobayashi, who took second place in the Masters. And looked stunningly good doing that. Um, I thought he was going to come back and, and take the final. Um, yeah, what a player. You know, it's just it's just been this past couple of years that I've been going to these international events. I mean, you've been going to them for a lot longer than I have, so at least from from where I'm at in these events, I'll go and I'll see players there and I'll recognize the same player at, at three or four events in a row and I get to know who that player is. Uh, Korobayashi is someone who just all of a sudden I noticed him at an event and then he was at the next one and the next one and the next one and getting out and playing at that at that level you know he was he in my mind has gone from someone who was in the event and might pull off a win or two to someone who's a real danger to to win one of these i think he is a danger to win one of these and i think he's doing a real good job of replacing kunihiko takahashi who's the guy that we're used to seeing around all the time and who has apparently vanished from the face of the earth yeah, I haven't seen him in, in any tournament in quite some time. I wonder what happened there. Don't know. Um, another player that did real well at the Masters was Roberto Gomez. He finished tied for third. Is And it's kind of a loaded question because you and I have talked about this uh, away from the microphone. Um, is Gomez going through the same thing that Mika went through five or six years ago where he's the best player to, to play in an event until he gets towards the finals? Well, I think he's beginning to overcome that. I mean, the, the private joke was used to be that his nickname was Cookie because he would crumble under pressure. Yeah. But uh, this, this event in Vegas, I didn't see any hesitancy in his game in the later matches. As we as we saw when he was up against Daryl Peach in Manila, uh, I didn't see any shaking of the arm. Uh, his smile never left his face. Uh, his confident walk uh, never got a hitch in the step. So I, I think he's he's really coming around now. I, th I think he, you know, I think he believes in himself. And uh, with the game he's got, uh, yeah, he should be he should be standing on the top of the podium soon. 
I would think so. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a younger player. Or, he looks like a younger player. Actually, he's, he's in his 30s, isn't he? Yeah, early 30s. Okay, well, he's still a younger player. Uh, I mean, he certainly has a bright future. And, and you, can't, you can't look at it and say, well, you know, the guy's missing something if he can't win one of these events. Um, you know, going back to Mika, there was a time five or six years ago where I don't know if, if it was nerves or what, but, you know, Mika would struggle there in the finals, and I'm sure he would admit that. And I think there's a whole lot of players that would like to be in Mika's shoes right now. I mean, Mika went through that phase of his game, and he has certainly come out on the other side of it a much stronger player. Yeah, and I don't know if there was a change in his attitude or if it was just taking that, that, just that first big win that put him over the hump. But as soon as he got it, uh, you know, he became the terror that he is now. Um, pool players don't like seeing Mika walk into a tournament room. Well, and, and on the other side of the, you know, getting that first big win coin, uh, I noticed that Carl Boys, our reigning world eight ball champion, uh, he struggled a bit out in Vegas, and I had a chance to talk to him briefly, and he said that since winning that title, he has really struggled. Um, I don't know if he can't if he can't get his his head into what he's doing or what, but you know. In his words, he couldn't make a ball since winning that title. Now, of course, he won matches, but in his mind, he's certainly not playing up to the level that he feels he should be. Well, you know, before you win a world championship, you have a goal in mind to win a world championship. After that, what's your goal? Yeah. Um, how do you... How do you be someone like Mika or someone like Ralph or someone like, uh, I don't know, Nick Varner or Earl Strickland or, or someone who has won multiple uh, titles like that and is still hungry? Uh, and again, Carl's a young player, too. You know, it, who knows what will happen? They're all young players. What else is on your mind today? Well, um, after the Masters and... Um, Dennis Orcoyo's win. The U.S. Open 10 ball took place. That was the inaugural U.S. Open 10 ball championship. Uh, 128 players, very strong field. All in all, I thought it was a very successful event, although there were a couple of strange things that happened at the event. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, let, let's, let's talk about one of the players in the tournament. And yeah. if if I could could purchase the rights to a player, I would be putting an awful lot of money towards the future of Brendan Crockett. Uh, Fourteen years old, he's had some some real nice finishes recently. Uh, he took seventeenth at that Mez event at Hard Times. Um, after the U.S. Open ten ball, he took twenty fifth at the Seminole event in California. Uh, losing to Hunter Lombardo Hill Hill, and there's no shame at all in losing to Hunter Lombardo. Um, Brendan, at the ripe old age of 14, which, on a side note, when I was 14, I was trying different bridge hands to figure out how to make a ball back up after I would hit an object ball. But at 14 in Brendan's life, 
he's defeating player of the decade Jasmine Ushan. Right, or, right. I'm sorry, player of the year Jasmine Ushan. And just as an aside, you're still trying to figure out how to make <laughs> the ball back up. But, um, yeah, Brendan really did impress me. Uh, not only the win over Jasmine, but uh, just his demeanor at the table. Um, he's certainly not up there expecting to lose, is he? No, not at all. Uh, I watched him warming up, and and if you just concentrated on the cue and the balls on the table and how things were moving around the table and didn't pay any attention to the person who was wielding the cue, you would have no idea that this was a 14-year-old. He's got a, a very strong stroke, and he seems to know his patterns as good as anybody out there. Yeah, he really does. Um and, you know, Mark Griffin's taking him under his wing and uh, is at least encouraging him. So um, we'll see where it goes. Well, and, and I think that, I mean, certainly in, in this day and age with the expenses that are involved in a player going from tournament to tournament, it's outstanding for any player to have any uh entity or sponsor or company interested in them and their future. So hats off both to Brendan for his game and to Mark for stepping up and becoming involved in his game. However, as I pause to try to figure out how, to, how I want to word this. That's okay. This, the U.S. Open 10 ball was a Q Sports International event, and we understand yep. that there are a lot of entities under the CSI umbrella. Um, and certainly you can't fault someone for wanting to promote all of their various entities as much as possible during their own event. You know, you, you certainly sure. could not could not fault someone in trying to do that. However, maybe I'm just old-fashioned, I do question the idea of a patch on a 14-year-old pool player that promotes a website that no matter how successful that website is and no matter how good for the game it is, earned their chops streaming gambling online. I... I, I I know that I'm going to get email after email saying you're you're an old fogey and you're not looking at the game right and Tar has done wonderful things for the game and I believe that Tar has done wonderful things for the game. I think Justin does a great job and I firmly believe that that Tar does the best streaming of anyone out there. I still question a patch on a 14-year-old for a site that is so tied in with gambling. Yeah, with the interest of a young man at that age, I would think a more appropriate patch might be one from Trojan. <laughs> well, and, and I go back to something that I've mentioned before. When I went to the Junior Nationals for the first time, I was really floored by these players who were 13, 14, 15 years old and their parents had drove them cross-country to play in this tournament so that they could pick up action in pool rooms along the way and, you know, 
watching a 14-year-old kid at the at the restaurant in between matches telling another 14-year-old kid, man, I've had a tough tournament, I, I just can't make a ball, but if you want to play some, we could. I mean, these are these are kids. These are the future of the game. And and while I understand that gambling is a big part of of pool and always will be, I just don't I don't see the players who are successful at the game, the Mikas, the Ralphs, the Jasmines, the Allisons, I, I don't see those players with that mentality, and I don't see that mentality being good for the future of the game, at least here in the states. Well, the way the the way the states tends to be regressing uh, back into the morality of the fifties, I tend to agree with you. Um, but can we can we move on to the <laughs> the weirdness of the event? The uh, the bead moving. Yeah, and neither you or I were in the players' meeting where this rule was first announced. Uh, do you want to explain the rule, or should I? Oh, I'll explain it. And okay. first, I, I totally understand the reason for the rule. Absolutely, because you're you're playing ten ball, and ten ball matches can really drag, and they can drag for so long that your players don't wind up finishing their matches until 3 a.m. And that has to be avoided at all cost. And this is at least a unique way of preventing <laughs> matches from moving on. The, the rule was that at the end of the, the matches were supposed to last two hours. So halfway through the, um, the match, the tournament director would go from table to table and any match that didn't have at least eight beads on the string, he would move the beads on the string until they did total eight. So that if I were playing you and the score were three to three, he would come up and move it to four to four. Effectively lowering the race in the tournament. Right. And then he would come back again in half an hour, and if they hadn't gotten, was it 14 at that point? 13. 13, yeah. If they didn't have 13 games on the wire, he would move beads again. And this is where it got a little hinky because a couple of times players were moved to the hill. Right. And, and a player that was coming from behind, um, you know, you, you can, Imagine yourself coming back and holding a guy to a single, you know, to two games or less than two games, but to try and hold a guy to one game, whew, that's, that's pretty rough. And there were some objections to it. And uh, frankly, um, while it was a unique solution, I would have, frankly, I would have preferred just to play shorter races. Yeah, um, I mean, 10 ball, you can play a shorter race. I mean, maybe a race to, to 7 or a race to 8 in 10 ball might not be such a bad idea. It, with this rule, it seemed to get stranger and stranger as the event went on. Um, the first instance where I thought, you know, it, it got a little controversial was one of those that you were talking about. Uh, Liz Ford had taken an, an early lead in a match, and and let's face it, Liz plays a more methodical game than some of the other players. I, I don't think in any way she was trying to 
to drag the match on. That's just her game. She plays a slower game. And, and, and when I say a slower game, we're talking 30, 40 seconds in between shots. Now, right. there are male players that take 30 or 40 seconds in between shots. So I don't think that, you know, what she's doing is, is all that bad. And she's used to playing on the WPBA where they'll put you on a shot clock in a heartbeat if they think that you're, uh, you're taking too much time. But she had taken an early lead. She was two games away from the hill, and um, Kenny Schumann, the tournament director, came out and saw that they were taking a while and moved each player, you know, moved a bead for each player that put her on the hill, and her opponent's comeback was basically derailed. And I, I'm sorry, off the top of my head, I can't remember who it was that she was playing. Um, that was the beginning of the the strangeness, and and I can remember being there when Kenny came out and moved the beads and, and everyone stopped and looked at each other like, what the heck is going on? If you're going to have a rule that is going to be that controversial, you might not want to also ban the media from the players' meeting so that we don't have any idea what's going on. I mean, I, I asked Kenny, you know, I, I, I asked him if he could explain to me what happened, and he explained it. I mean, Kenny had no problem at all. And, and again, Kenny is, is probably the best tournament director out there right now. I mean, we've, we've watched him come from being an assistant tournament director with Scott Smith to now any major event in the U.S. Uh, Kenny is running, and, and he does an exemplary job at what he does. I don't know if this was his idea or someone else's idea, it does seem that maybe there should be a little bit more thought go towards it. Um, a little bit later in the tournament, uh, Johnny Archer was playing Jason Klatt, and you know Johnny can Johnny can be a bit methodical sometimes at the table. And Kenny came out and moved the beads in that match, and Johnny was floored. Uh, more than floored, he was very angry. Uh, I mean, Kenny had to walk out there three or four separate times to talk to Johnny, who was just sitting in the chair, it, it, and he wouldn't let it go. Yeah. Um, well, Clatt ended up winning that match, so up till then, I thought, all right, interesting rule, we'll see where it goes. However, Liz Ford again, playing a match later in the tournament against Imran Majid, um... Both players were given a warning at the one-hour mark when they had only played eight games. Right. At the hour-and-a-half mark when they should have had 13 games on the wire, they had 10 games. It was six to four um, lives. The ruling that Kenny made when he walked out to move the beads, since they were three games away from being where they needed to be, he said that he had been clocking the match from the sidelines and that Imran was taking 20-some-odd seconds per shot and Liz was taking 30-some seconds per shot. So he decided at that time that Liz would be penalized one rack and Imran was given two games on the wire and she was given one. Now, she didn't sit in the chair and complain about it. She didn't say a thing. However, she didn't win another game and was eliminated from the tournament. 
And as much as I respect Kenny as a tournament director, not being in that players' meeting, if the players were not warned ahead of time that something like this could be, uh, a penalty like this could be given to them, then I firmly disagree with the decision. Well, they, uh, in, in CSI's behalf, they were warned that that could happen. Um, I can't... We, we had um, an in in the players' meeting, and um, I happened to be able to, to listen to what went on in the players' meeting, and uh, they were warned that. But uh, it's still... I think the players should be told before it happens... Um, that you know, if you don't pick up your pace, uh, and we have to move the beads, uh, you're not going to like it. Okay, I wasn't. Again, I wasn't at the players' meeting. If the players were warned, then I think that at least partially uh, explains what happened. However, I was there late one night watching a match with a couple male players, and I watched. A male player, we won't mention any names, Mr. Williams, take two minutes per shot. And there were no penalties like that that went on there. So while I understand the need for a ruling like this, if you're going to have a ruling like this, I think it needs to apply to everyone in the tournament. And if you are going to invite female players who sometimes some of the female players have been known to take a little bit longer than the male players they have to have the same set of rules that the male players have and if you're going to penalize one player no matter what their sex is for playing slow 30 some seconds per shot then by golly you need to penalize the male players who are known to take 90 seconds or more per shot and I mean it it really We've seen it over and over and over again. You get a crowd of people watching a match, and you get a player who gets down on the shot, stands back up, gets down, stands up, walks around, looks at it from this angle, another angle, where do I want to be, where don't I want to be, get down, get up, get down, get up. Two minutes later, they pull the trigger and then start the whole process all over again. Nobody wants to watch that. It'll drive you nuts, and that's why I believe in a shot clock on every table. For every match, no matter what game you're playing. Well, and and I do think that that would be the ideal situation. Um, I understand that they were not able to do that just because they didn't have the personnel there. I mean, I know the WPBA, they get volunteers from the APA to come in and shot clock the matches. Um, I don't know if that was considered at this tournament. Lord knows there were enough league players there who would have been more than happy to come out and and volunteer. Of course, this is Vegas, and, and league players probably have a little bit more to entertain themselves in between their matches in Vegas than the volunteers do at a WPBA event. But I don't know. That's just That was just my opinion on the thing. Um, I, I understand the, the difficulty of running a tournament and the reason for a ruling like that, and I would have been a whole lot more behind that ruling if it had been applied to everyone in the tournament. Yeah, it was uh, it, it wasn't applied consistently, and uh, I, I had a problem with that as well. But all in all, the tournament uh, was very well handled, and uh, obviously there was some great play. 
and I enjoyed it very much. It was. It was a very good tournament. Um, I look forward to seeing it happen in the future. I think it. Uh, I think it has a very bright future. And all in all, I thought it was a good event. The streaming was great. Uh, great matches. Great players there at the end. Corteza won it. Um, he seems to be having another strong year, just like he did last year. Um, I could easily make an argument for him being the top player in the Philippines right now. Um, that would be a pretty easy argument to make. Well, while we can certainly argue that uh, Lee Van is the number one player in the Philippines, we made an announcement of sorts this week, and we announced our number one man of the decade. Yeah, and it was... Um it was a tough choice. There are some other names that, that uh, could certainly have uh, also risen to the top. But uh, after we looked at everything, we decided on Ivan Lee. Uh, as he's the president, chairman of the board, rather, of the Billiard Congress of America. He's president of Simonis North America. And I think he's a great choice. Um, Simonis does as much as anyone, and more than certainly than most, uh, to keep Pro Pool alive with their sponsorship, and they sponsor also the regional tours. Uh, so they help where they can, and um, they they help all the players, not just a few. And with his service on the BCA uh, board uh, during some of the most trying times that the BCA has ever had to go through, um, I think he's a good man to give the nod to. Well, and you've been following the game at a higher level than I have for the entire decade, and I certainly left that decision in your very capable hands, but I, I am in complete agreement. Yeah, you know, Ivan um, is just a great guy to have on, on the side of pool, um, not only because of his generosity, but because of, of his ability to solve problems. Uh, he's able to look at all sides of a problem and approach it from outside a single point of view, and uh, that's quite a that's quite a handsome strength to hold. Well, I know that you know beyond just the things that you mentioned that he's involved with. Um, I, I can think of numerous times where he has been a confidant for someone in the industry who was struggling with how to deal with a certain situation or what decision to be made and he has always been willing to to sit and listen and give his opinion and and that opinion doesn't necessarily have to benefit him you know it if if he can help someone make a decision that's good for the game then he's good with that and you know he is one of those people who who truly seems to live that quote-unquote I do it because I love the game mentality that everyone out there seems to like to throw, you know, well, I'm doing what I'm doing because I love the game as they're, you know, filling their wallet with their own share of the pie. Um, you know, I, I don't see that in Ivan. He he's a, he's a different individual. He's a professional at what he does, but he does truly seem to love the game and care about the players. Yeah, he really does. And um, he is not uh, um, he has not joined the mainstream opinion that many of the uh, BCA members have 
that they should be divorced from the playing side of the game and just be a trade organization. He understands the necessity and 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 strives uh, with all he's got to uh, strengthen the trade side of the organization. Uh, but he never forgets that uh, the roots of pool are in the players, and uh, he he does what he can uh, to promote the play side of the game. So, hats off to Ivan Lee. Congratulations and uh, many happy returns. <laughs> well, the last thing I want to talk about before we uh, get to our guests is the upcoming World Nine Ball Championship. We haven't had one of those for a while. Um, Daryl Peach is still our reigning World Nine Ball Champion. Uh, last time that event took place, it was in Manila, and that was before the World Ten Ball Championship got started. Uh, but we are going to have an event in Doha, Qatar, here at the end of June. Um, we've got a fairly strong contingency of U.S. players, don't we? I'd say we've got a very strong contingent. Uh, we're going to be sending Johnny Archer, uh, Corey Jewell, Rodney Morris, Shane Van Boning, Oscar Dominguez, and Charlie William. And there's not a weak stick in that group. No, definitely not. Um, you know, Shane seems to have... I would say my first thought is that, that he's turned his game up maybe a notch. I don't think he's where he was when he won the U.S. Open, but he's getting back to there. He's getting pretty close again. Yeah, he really is. Um, not sure what caused his little mini slump, uh, except that you and I talked about it one time where you, you, you went through a period there where you didn't see Shane in the practice room as much. And, um, well, this last event, we were barred from the practice room, so we don't know <laughs> if he was in there or not. But um, he's definitely uh, strong again. Oh yeah, yeah, and 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 real quickly, it, all of the media was barred from the practice room. It seems like if you're a member of the no, media, no, 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 well, right, no, right. Billiards <laughs> Digest. Well, and Billiards Digest had they been there, the right? <laughs> <laughs> had they had a representative at the event, they could have been in the practice room. I, right. I mean, I I didn't decide to test that ruling and, and try to walk in the practice room. I, I had spoke to other members of the media who were thinking about doing that, but, you know, I don't spend any time in the practice room anyway, so I'm not all that worried about it. Yeah, I, I just thought it was a little strange, but what the heck. Uh, but anyway, we, we kind of got off the uh, World Nine Ball thing. Um, yeah, I'm very happy to have this event back. It, it's, it was the, it's the granddaddy of the world championships, and uh, it's the one that um, I think most people are familiar with, and uh, there's a lot of importance that goes with this one. Um, Qatar in July might be a little warm, but uh, <laughs> where they're having it is in the headquarters of the uh, Qatar uh, Billiard and Snooker Federation, so... That's a very comfortable place. They always uh, take good care of the competitors, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a great event. Any word yet on how they're going to handle racking the balls and that sort of thing? Uh, no, I haven't seen anything. Um, I have seen that they were considering uh, some different break rules to try and uh, avoid the soft break, uh, but that is not yet set in stone, so we'll just have to wait and see. Well, 
I, I too look forward to this event. I do hope that they're able to figure out a way to, to handle the break rule where it doesn't turn into a soft break contest because that's what drained the life out of the last uh, World Nine Ball Championship. Um, either way, you know, every time we have a World Championship for the last two years, I've said that I didn't see a European player winning it. And, you know, going back to the beginning of the show, I, I think a Filipino will win this one, and I've also said this before, I would love to see Bustamante win it. He came awfully close the last time, and, you know, he's been around for an awful lot of years, and he's never won a world championship. I'd, I'd love to see him win this one and get that monkey off his back. Yeah, no one could pull against Busti. Um He certainly deserves a title. Um, like you, I'm amazed that he hasn't yet grabbed one. Well, but that, that's enough of you and I for a while. Uh, we've got we've got two guests waiting on the line. Should we get to them? Well, I guess we should. Let me uh, dial up Barry Berman first. Barry, how you doing, buddy? Well, I tell you, I wish I could feel this good every day. So well, that means that means uh, I'm pleased as punch. <laughs> Great. The last time we spoke to you, you had just made the announcement that uh, women would be playing in this year's Open. How's that progressing? Well, you know, everyone knows my reputation. Uh, I'm just, but uh, um, you know, it, it, it was all about timing, Jerry and Mike. You know, with with um, uh, this year's event um, and pool and the industry, the U.S. Open and many other events, we need someone needs to step up and do something about it. And um, I don't mind. You know, with with uh, my goal is to fill up the field at 256. That is our goal. And I know that will happen this year. And when I found out that the women had very few, two, three tournaments scheduled for the entire year, I decided not to wait. I called Ken Schumann. I called Jay Helfert. We talked about it. And... At first, we were thinking about waiting until 2011, and I said, guys, you know how impatient I am. Um, why wait? The industry is suffering. The world is suffering. Everybody's suffering. So I want to do my small part to enhance the sport, to enhance the players, and to enhance the sponsors, and, of course, the fans. Um, you know, Barry, when you made the announcement that uh, that ladies would be playing, it was pretty quick that a press release came out about uh, Sarah Rousey being the first female player to uh, throw her entry in. Um, have you had a response from any of the other females? Oh, uh, well, of course. We have, um, if you go to my website, there's a, a hundred players that have already signed up to play. Um, the excitement is in the air. Um, we have sold 70% of our VIP seats uh, four and a half months in advance. Uh, there's a lot of excitement and a lot of uh, many new vendors coming. And, of course, I, I've um, 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 worked out uh, uh, um, with Mark Griffin for him to have the Marriott, formerly Holiday Inn's, complete ballroom for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday during the U.S. Open for a regional BCA event 
that will uh, go right in the middle of the U.S. Open and will conclude by 6 p.m. Saturday night, an hour before the finals. So there's a whole lot of wonderful things happening, and I'm also speaking with Mike Finoza, um, um, and we're working out on details to continue to keep the Hall of Fame ceremony, as Mike said, where it belongs, where the greatest fans and the greatest players are at each year. So then you do have plans to continue that tradition that you started last year with Johnny and Allison and and keep the Hall of Fame dinner there at the tournament? Mike and I are talking almost daily. I um, um, uh, have a um, uh, an offer on the table for a brand-new Marriott um, a Spring Hill Suites less than one mile away with a 6,000-square-foot uh, ballroom that will accommodate 240 people. And uh, the general manager wants it. He's um, 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 uh, making all the arrangements to, to pacify the BCA board members to give them uh, the ballroom for no charge, to give them a fe- special fair price for the complete dinner uh, with all-inclusive and um, um, basically the same thing the Marriott did. And because uh, this year uh, we're, you know, Mark and I have made an arrangement, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're having an event and the Marriott and uh, bringing in 30 or 40, between 30 and 40 uh, seven-foot diamonds with 600 amateurs. So um, uh, I really want the Hall of Fame to continue where the best players and the greatest fans in the world are at each year. So I'm working diligently to make that happen. And uh, uh, it looks promising, but uh, uh, Mike Pinoza and the media have to make that final assessment. And I hope they uh, uh, will uh, continue it here in Chesapeake this year. Uh, Barry, we saw you recently uh, wandering the halls of the Riviera out in Las Vegas. And I saw you talking to some people that I would consider to be potential sponsors of the U.S. Open. Did you have a fruitful visit out in Las Vegas? Jerry, you know, Jerry, um, I've been working very hard all winter in my business, and I didn't go to Derby uh, for the first time in years, and I love Greg and company. I didn't go to Allen Hopkins Expo the first time in years. I love Allen and what he does. Um, I just stayed home and worked. And, uh, which is, you know, what we all need to do if you want to make your business successful. And, uh, so I was very happy to go to Vegas uh, a couple weeks ago. And I must say that I, you know, uh, without blowing my horn, uh, you know, I was in high demand. I had so many people approach me, people I knew and people I didn't know about how can we be involved this year. With all of everything that's going on with, you know, the women plan, that's tremendous excitement. Uh, uh, Jazz and Ocean was extremely happy, and many other females uh, uh, that have already signed up are extremely happy. And therefore, their sponsors are being, uh, uh, want to be involved. 
So, mm-hmm. Jerry, I, you know, I must say I felt like a rock star when I walked into the Riviera, and um, um, it felt good. And it felt good to be loved and wanted. And, uh, you know, I, I, I honestly feel this year's U.S. Open is going to be a monumental, groundbreaking, reproving, wonderful, exciting, fantastic event. It, it appears to be going in that direction. Well, I know part of the conversations that took place in Vegas had to have been with the uh, new players organization that Johnny Archer is putting together. Uh, can you tell us about that? Absolutely. That was um, a, a wonderful, wonderful. Uh, uh, we had uh, two or three meetings. Johnny and I and, and Stevie Moore and Thorson met um, uh, on one occasion, and Johnny and I and Stevie Moore met on another loca- uh, uh, time. And then Johnny and I watched the finals from the skybox, uh, the entire finals, um, uh, Saturday night, and we talked for three hours. And the arrangement that I have made with Johnny, and we talked this morning, by the way, but uh, knowing that uh, he called me this morning, because I believe uh, you'll be talking to him later today. Yeah. Um, we're drawing up an agreement then I will have $75,000 in an escrow account the Thursday prior to the U.S. Open before 2 p.m., $75,000. Um, total prize fund will be around 180000 this year. Um, I have bitten off more than I can chew the last three years with the economy and the industry um, the way it is. Uh, but I can see it coming um, back even stronger, and we all hope that happens with with not just the bigger world, but for all those who have lost their jobs and the economy the way it is. But getting back to Paul, um, Johnny and I, and I insisted on an agreement, contractual agreement, that I will have $75,000 in an escrow account Thursday, the before the the open uh, starts three days, before 2 p.m., and that I also will assure that the final four players left on Saturday, it'll be between 70, 75, or $80,000 in that neighborhood, the final four added, you know, total purse. Uh, right. Will be, will be, you'll think you're at the World Series of Poker, will be, on display in a secured, armed, locked glass display case for the final day at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe I shouldn't say that in case, um, you know, there's bad people out in the world, but guess what? Uh, uh, It'll be secured. Um, uh, So, therefore, um, everyone will be uh, paid in cash in full, uh, um, prior to kickoff at 1 o'clock Saturday when there's only four players left. And if you add up the final four figures of first, second, third, and fourth, whatever that comes to, it'll be between seventy and 80000 Uh That money in $100 bills and $10,000 stacks, or appropriately in first place is 40 and second is 20 and third place is whatever and fourth was whatever, it'll be bundled. Uh, just like it, it should be. And I'm willing and re- ready to sign a commitment, a contractual agreement that I insist upon doing. 
I have to reprove myself. And when you bite off more than you can chew, um, you know, it's no fun losing thirty grand last year and thirty five thousand the year before. But push comes to shove, I can't I can't add eighty five thousand dollars with the way that things are these days. I know what I can add, and I know what I can do. And this year, um, it seems like um, it's going to be um, pretty easy to put this together to rebuild for next year. My goal has always, always, since day one, is to add more money for the players. Always. And that's what I've always done. And sometimes I get a little carried away. But I can't anymore. I have to face reality. I do not like like owing anybody a dime. And I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again. And Johnny and crew believe in me. This is not my first rodeo, uh, and I I can't wait for this year's U.S. Open for many, many, many positive reasons. We can't wait for this year's Open either. We always enjoy being there, even though it's the week that we probably work the hardest because we're in there from the first time the, the, the tables are open until that last ball falls doing the live scoring. But we enjoy doing that, and we're going to do that again this year, and we certainly appreciate your time. We've got to hop off and give Johnny Archer a call. Um, but uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. I know we're going to see you sometime before the Open. And if there's anything AZ Billiards can do for you, give us a shout. I just want to leave you, thank you, Mike and Jerry, with one last uh, thing. You know, uh, I really, really know that even though this is my 35th anniversary and even though Every five years, I parade out all the champions a certain night, and I give them a new gift. And this year, all, all U.S. Open champions, both men and women, will be given a brand-new green vest uh, with gold embroidered letters with their name and year or years they've won. Uh, cool. Plus, we're having a champion's dinner and hopefully the Hall of Fame and the BCA. But, you know, I cannot wait to reprove that and restructure what I can do and hopefully build from this year. So next year, maybe we can add 100000 Maybe the year after, we can add 200000 That's my goal. And, of course, we all need to make money. And I'm working hard to assure that we all do better, including myself. I cannot offer the moon and the stars and the whole nine yards. And I'm on the phone almost every day, Jerry and Mike, talking to new potential sponsors that seem to be wanting to be more involved this year than ever before. And I'm very excited every day when I wake up. Thank you, That's guys. great, Barry. Have a good afternoon, and we'll see you soon. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Jerry. And, uh... I appreciate what you do uh, also with AZ Beards. You're the leader, and uh, we appreciate you. Well, sounds like Barry's got all his plans made and his ducks in a row. Yep, yep. Going to be another fun event. Yes, and as always, we'll be there from the (laughs) time the first ball is struck until the last one drops. We'll be doing the live scoring again. 
and uh, you'll be able to watch all of the tables on AZ Billiards. Uh, watch the scores as they change rack by rack, so you can completely keep up with the Open right here on AZ Billiards. Um, and by the way, that live scoring is brought to you by Lucasi Hybrid Cues, the same people who help sponsor Run Out Radio and do so much else for the game. And, um, boy, Lucasi is really beginning to gain in popularity. I mean, I noticed a thread on the forums where people were talking about how good the new Lucasi Hybrid Cues hit. So we're awfully proud to have them as a sponsor and uh, certainly hope that our listeners will give Lucasi Cues a tryout next time they're in the market for a cue. Yeah, I'm seeing more and more of the top players who are using uh, Lucasi. Didn't Buddy used to use a Lucasi years and years ago? Yeah, Buddy Howard, I mean, Buddy Howard, <laughs> Buddy Hall uh, used them, and David Howard used them years and years and years ago. Um, they've always been popular uh, with with a like a clique of players who, who discovered the hit of the Lucasi Q, and um, they've just grown uh, basically through word of mouth over the years, and now uh, they're, they're quite a, a force to be reckoned with in the marketplace. Yeah, definitely worth looking into if you're in the market. I see that my phone now is blinking with Johnny Archer on the line. Why don't we give a listen to what Johnny might have to say? Johnny, how things there in Marietta, Georgia? Oh, I tell you what, it's just moving right on along. That pool room business keeping you busy? Johnny's the proprietor, by the way, of the Marietta Billiard Club. It's uh, in and, in and everything else. It's... uh. Seems like all of a sudden I didn't have anything to do for 41 years, and now all of a sudden I don't have enough time to do what I can. That's <laughs> a little different. Well, everybody knows that you're the number one ranked player in America, but what they may not know at this point is that you have taken the bull by the horns, and you are now the spokesman for the new players' organization, the ABP, the Association for Billiard Professionals. We were out in Las Vegas when you announced the formation of the ABP. What kind of progress can you report uh, on that front at the moment? Well, right now we're actually moving along pretty good. Um, you know, we've been we've been talking with uh, a new website guy that uh, says yeah. he wants to uh, help us do our website and promotions and advertising, and and he would love to be a, a sponsor per se. And, I mean, I think things like that is, is, you know, very good for us. I think we need that. Um, we're, in, we're in talks with, uh, you know, Ivan Lee at, uh, at the, you know, on the BCA board. And yeah. um, I think uh, things are moving along. I think, uh, you know, they, they want, to, they're want to align with us and want to help. And I think that's very big. I think that's in, in, in very important with uh, the whole sport moving far along and moving, making great strides to uh, make this a, a better, best game that, that it should be. Well, uh, who all do you have involved in the organization? I know, I know you have a board. Who's on the board? Well, on the board, we've got myself. Uh, you know, Sean Putnam, he's sitting right here next to me, Stevie Moore, uh, Charlie Williams, Rodney Morris, Corey Duell, uh, two internationals, Thorsten Holman and Mika Eminem. Oscar Dominguez, John Smith, and I probably missed out a name there. Uh, right now, y'all caught me off guard. I didn't have many notes here in front of me. But, that's our uh, job. Yeah, that's always your job, Jerry. You always catch me off guard. I think you got Mike doing your <laughs> dirty work for you. 
So yeah. uh, anyway, whoever I missed out there, I've got it. I got. I, I know you. I just right now can't think, but I think that's eleven. Uh, Mike Davis. Oh, thank you, Sean. Yeah. So uh, Mike Davis, uh, it wasn't uh, disrespectful. I'm sorry, but uh, anyway, just for me, uh, I can't remember my own name once in a while. So uh, luckily, I, I remember the ones that, that I did. Well, I noticed you mentioned uh, Torsten and Mika. So this doesn't sound like it's just an American group. This is an all of, an across the board group. Well, the thing is, what what makes our board so unique and so great is, you know, you have, you know, like I said, Mika and Thorsten for the internationals representatives, and you have like myself and Rodney for the older guys, and then you got like Oscar and Shane. Oh, I forgot Shane Van Bonen. Uh, there you go. Uh, he was a last name, and you got Oscar and Shane for the young guys, and you know, then you have a, a just a, a whole other mix right in between. So. You know, from start to finish, from one to twelve, we can To me, I can't ask for any better. You know, myself and uh, these guys have stepped up. They said, you know what, it's time to make this game better, and make this game better for the new new group coming along, for the juniors, for the women, for the fans, the promoters. You know, tip uh, tip tool makers, everybody. And you know, let's make this better and make this you know what it should be. And I think this is a start. Well, can you can you tell us? And I mean, of course, we all want to see the game get better. But can you be a little bit more specific as to how how we can see that happen? Well, you know, if you look at any other sports, you know, and I could, like I said, you know, like I did in the press release, you see uh, any other sports, and they all have a players organization, a players association, if you will, and you know. Why should we be any different? You know, uh, players' organization. Um, you know, we, we need to step up. We need to do better things and do greater things. And what we're really looking to do right now, you know, the issue has been uh, that I seen that's kind of got the guys upset is the non-payment, and yeah. that's the number one issue that really raised this. Uh, I guess if you want to call it raised this thing. And, you know, the guys just finally, you know, we're all talking about it. And, you know, of course, we all kind of PO'd about it. And, you know, uh, and then they said, well, what can we do? And I said, well, really, the only thing we could do is try to band together. We've never done it before, you know, as a whole. See, as a players, we've never banned. We've always had boards and, you know, you know, MPBA and PBT, and I can name a few, uh, a few more. But there was always one or two or three or four people on there that wasn't players. So their agendas, even though it started, might have started out in the best interest of, of the players, you know, uh, if they're not going to benefit from it, you know, in my opinion, there shouldn't be a player on the board. If it's a player's organization, and you should have all players because they're going to look out for each other, and they they have the player's mindset, and you know, uh, whoever else is on the board, well, if they don't get paid, if they don't benefit from going to a pool tournament and playing, well, how are they going to have their best in- have your best interest at heart unless you actually just pay them a salary, which, you know, we definitely know that we're not ready to do that. Uh, maybe later, who knows? But right now, that's really uh, what raised is, and we all decided, hey, it's tired of, you know, we're, we're tired of being last on the list on a totem pole to get paid is what it comes down to. We're just, we're just kind of tired of it, and, you know, hey, this is where we're at. 
to expound on that a little bit, I know that you're um, negotiating with promoters and telling them that you want them to to put their prize money in some sort of escrow uh, account prior to the event beginning. Is anyone exempt from that, or will even promoters such as Matchroom and CSI uh, be required to post? Well, we can say post, and we can say like the, uh, I, I like that word. That's kind of the old. That's the kind of the old action saying, Gary. You know, back you're back in the old school. I forgot how old you are. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we don't want to talk about that right now. You might be much older than you look, or, or maybe the other way around. Anyway, uh, so. Okay, that's enough of that. But well, the thing is, here here's what it is. All, all the other, basically, we're, we're not going after anybody. We're not going yeah. to one promoter and say, "Hey, we're going after you. You're going to put up the money." Got nothing to do with that. You know what we're looking to do is we're gonna we're gonna be very fair with every promoter. Now we know we're gonna have to be a little different to start with because we've never done it before. So we're we're gonna have to start slow. Uh, we know that. And, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a process in the making. And really what happens is like golf, just for instance, I mean, them guys are, their money's probably put up six months in advance. The prize money will be the first thing put up in escrow. Cause when Tiger Woods gets ready, when he gets done winning the tournament, I don't think he's got to worry about looking at his bank account the next day. I don't think he's got to worry about that. Now, if, if the, I guess if the tournament doesn't do very well, then other people might have to worry about getting paid, maybe. I don't know how that works. Um, but, you know, in, in our situation, if the tournament doesn't do well in some instances, we're the first one not to get paid. And, you know, that it's just not – I don't feel like it's fair, you know, my opinion. And, you know, we're, like I said, we're not going after anybody. We're not, we're not pointing fingers. We just want to start from here. And, you know, if we're, we don't want to be last on the list, you know, if there's money left over, you know, we think we should get paid first because we're the, we're the ones that the reason you have a tournament, uh, if they have a tournament, you know, it, it, you know, the players are, are the ones that actually come there to work. You know, we pay our own money to get there. And, you know, that's kind of bad when if you pay your own money to get there, then, you know, you do well in a tournament and all of a sudden, well, sorry. It wasn't well, or you know, I didn't make a good business decision, or whatever the case may be. Um, right. I don't think that's fair, and the players, I think, should be the first one to get paid. Uh, well, I think everybody should get paid. I shouldn't say it like that. That, that come out wrong. I don't mean it like that. And um, I just think that my opinion is, you know, we're the we're the entertainment. If you want to say it like that. We're the entertainment. We're the ones the fans come to see. You know, and, and if the women's side, whenever they have their tournament, they're the entertainment. You know, no matter who it is, the entertainment's there. Mm-hmm. You, you know, if you, have a co- if you have a comedian show, you pay your comedian to come in. He gets his money. You know, you pay Lionel Richie to come sing for you, he's going to get his money. And then they'll worry about the gate later. But them guys get paid to work. I don't think we're any different. So if a promoter is getting ready to run an event and they want the involvement of the ABP, but they can't put the money in escrow, then what happens? Well, that remains to be seen right now. Uh, we have our, 
you know, we have our things that, that we're voting on that we're looking to do. And I think that's, uh, that, that we, we have to reveal that, I guess, if the time comes. And I guess we all kind of know what that is, but we have to reveal that because we don't, we're not threatening anybody. We're not here to threaten. We're not here to say, okay, we're demanding this. You know, only thing we're, we're saying is, you know, hey, have the money there ready to be paid. You know, and then we can come and play. So we're really just saying, you know, we, we don't want to reveal that. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to come to that, my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason if, uh, if let's just take if I do a tournament here, which I'm doing one coming up here in July, and I've got a $20,000 purse that I'm guaranteeing, well, if all of a sudden I'm relying on my gate here and I fall $4,000 short and I say, okay, guys, I only got 14 or 16, that ain't right. i got to put the 20 up front. I've got to have the 20 right there to pay off. You know, so if the gate doesn't do well, that's my bad. You mentioned a, a $20,000 purse. What I'm curious about, you know, back yeah. the last organization that, that was involved, the UPA, there was a... Sure. I think it was twenty thousand for an event to be considered a UPA event. Is there a mm-hmm. is there a threshold where your organization gets involved? I mean, let's say for example, someone's running a five thousand added at Joe's Bar and Grill in Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. You know, right. now is that something where the owner of you know Joe at Joe's Bar and Grill has to worry about dealing with the ABP or? Is there a certain limit that you guys just don't mess with? Well, I don't think I, I wouldn't use that word, Mike. Uh, as far as the the, uh, the promoter worrying about dealing with this, I don't think there's a worry. Um, that's really not a word I would you know I, I would use you know to say well promoters have to worry about dealing with us. This is not um, I mean this is not a dictatorship, and I don't want anybody thinking that it's a dictatorship because. Because we're not we're, we're not demanding anything. We're not saying we're dictating or anything like that. Um, so really, what I mean, yes, we're going to have minimum added, you know, like uh, you know, and I don't see any reason why not going on what Jerry did in the past. I think Jerry's done a wonderful job. Uh, you too. I mean, you you right there alongside of Jerry, you know, and AZ Bigger You guys have just y'all took it over and, and like got it thrown right in your lap. I believe. You know, you've got, got it thrown right in your lap, uh, you know, and just, hey, you know, I don't know what we'll do here, but we'll try to do whatever we can to help, and you've done a wonderful job. Oh, I think you've done an awesome job. Uh, you know, my hat's off to you and you too, Mike, and I think everything's great. And the 25000 added, I think, is a good start. You know, and yes, we want to get, get that up. We want to build up the sport to where there's, you know, these promoters can add more money. You know, or maybe we can help them raise the money. You know, maybe we can do, you know, shows for them. That's what I want to do with the association. And I want to be able to bring in, hey, how can we raise money for charity here? How can we raise more sponsorship? Maybe we'll come in a couple extra days beforehand, you know, help you do events. You know, all that stuff there is is just going to be great for the promoter. You know, that's something we can do, you know, as players. That's nothing that you can, you know, that's that's nothing you can really give to the promoter you know even though you might you, you definitely be willing to help but you can't really go in and do a show like i love you today but you can't go in and do a full show <laughs> no 
And you, Jerry, nobody wants to see you either. And, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I do the dance. I do the dance of the seven veils, and it's really quite a hit. The dance of the seven veils. I'll have to talk to you on the side to see what that is. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It's it's just something that we want to be able to offer because the promoter's going to say, "Well, what can you offer me? You know, what are you guys going to be able to offer me?" Well, this is stuff we can offer. You know, we we get together and figure out how can we help your tournament. You know, we want more money in the tournament. We want more added money. We want more prize money. We want, you know, more things for our association. You know, I would love to have, uh, you know, sponsor money coming in to, into the association that we can have medical benefits, you know, retirement funds, um, you know, more added money, have maybe help add the money to the tournament from the association, you know, align with the promoter. So, you know, you put up 25, we put up 15. We put up 10. I don't know. I'm just, you know, throwing numbers out there. That's sure. all stuff that does nothing but help the sport, help the players, help the fans, help, you know, hey, we'll, we'll throw in a little money to help your uh, seating. You know, maybe make the seating a little better. Uh, you know, you know, charity events. You know, it's just stuff like that. Pro-amps. You know, things like that we can offer. You know, hey, what do we need to help? And, you know, I think that does nothing but help you guys. More media. You know, more, you know, more, maybe more TV comes in to, to film it. You know, local TV, more advertisers for you guys. You know, I know that's all good news to y'all's ears. You know, that's more money. And sure. Anyway, it just makes the sport better, makes the sport bigger, makes everybody grow. And I think we all work together. Everybody's got a job if we all chip in. Just chip in a little bit. You know, we got so many people in this industry that are, that are just great people. Everybody that I've spoken to so far has um, offered support for the new organization. They certainly see a need for it. Um, yes. The only one little wrench that I've heard a couple of times from a couple of promoters that I'd like to have you respond to is that they feel a little bit threatened that one of their competitors, Charlie Williams, a tournament promoter, is on your board, and they feel that that could work against them. How can you... Ease their minds. Well, um, I just have one one thing to say about Charlie. Uh, well, it, it may go in a few parts, but my opinion, Charlie Williams. Yes, he's a businessman. I'll be the first to admit it. He's, he he wears a lot of hats. You know, he's done well for himself through his promotion company, being a promoter. Uh, you know, uh, having people on his staff. I mean, the guy's a smart guy. I mean, let's, mm -hmm. uh, let's don't you know, let's don't dance around that. He's very smart, very intelligent. But I will say one thing: in his heart, he has changed his business ways from the past. Okay, that has happened. I've seen it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and defend it because I, you know, because I see it, and all I can say is everybody, you know, just just watch. And Charlie, his he has he's a player first. And I, I think he's great. I think he's a big asset. He's done nothing but give me support, give the board support, be right there. You know, hey, hey, let's let, let's try these ideas. Hey, let's do this. He, you know, he made a nice. I mean, if you look at it as a promoter, he can say, well, you know what? It might be in my best interest not to work with the board as a promoter. 
you know, these go, well, maybe we don't want to work with, you know, maybe it might be better for us not to have a players association out there. That's very close-minded. Now, that's very close-minded because if we're just, if we're wanting to help you as a promoter to make money and to make your event better, then how can you not want to work with us? That's just, that's just uh, beyond my comprehension. That, uh, you know, and, and Charlie is well on the player side. You know, and as a, he, he's just one voice. He's one voice. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's just like me. I'm one voice. I have no more voice than, than Sean Putnam or Stevie Moore or anybody. Everybody has the same voice. And, you know, we're all 12 board members. We all vote on things. We've had four or five votings, and, you know, they've all been unanimous. And we all we all look to the same way. Yeah, we're going to have a couple, you know, guys, hey, maybe I think like this, or maybe I think like this. When you got 12 minds, you're going to have sometimes a couple, you know, that, that might think a little differently. But we've all decided, hey, whatever's voted on, that's what it comes out to be. Everybody accept it. If you don't, if you don't come out with your own vote, if it don't come out the way you like it, then you just have to accept it. And everybody's, we, we're all in agreement. You know, that's the way it's going to be, and we're all happy. You know, and we trust each other to whatever the board votes on. But that's right. We trust each other, and, and we're all happy. We're, we're just, you know, this is a great thing. And for, for companies to, to, to not want to work with us for whatever reason, you know, to partnership with us, it's just I don't understand that. That would be my opinion. I don't. I, I wouldn't understand that. And you know that's kind of where I'm at. We, you know, we're players. We're not looking to go out there and screw nobody. You know, we're we're looking to go out there and make this just make the sport bigger, make it where it should be. And if and if I don't get to live it, you know, in my lifetime and my career, I can sit back and say, you know what, somebody else you know gets to live it. Uh, you know, I, I want to be able to see that. You know, the young guys. You know, whoever gets to, you know, go. We go to the colleges and make the make the. Uh, I don't know, make it a major. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Go into schools, have it in high school. You know, as a as a you know, you can pick it up and have a class. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all great things. That's all. You know, golf is is in high school. You know, I mean, you know, high school they have golf teams. Why not have a pool team? Well, some of them do. Well, let's make it where everybody does. We spoke earlier to Barry Berman, you know, U.S. Open coming up. Now, uh, we we understand from that conversation that you and Barry have, have reached an agreement and he's going to have a certain amount of money in escrow. And, I mean, that whole thing. Well, here's the deal with Barry, okay? We, you know, we have come to an agreement with Barry. And... You know that that is uh, all. You know that is all. Uh, you know, disclosed with us. You know, and him. You know, we have a business. You know, situation with Barry. Um, I think it's great for the players. I think it's great for Barry. I think it takes heat off of him. Takes heat off of us. I think it takes heat off the sponsors, the fans, everybody. You know, uh, right now, you know, we, Barry has done nothing but try to work with us. Um, you know, we want, we're trying, we're, we're definitely working with him and it's just, it makes the event better. So, uh, you know, whatever problems has happened in the past, you know, whether it be with Barry, whether it be with, uh, the guy in Phoenix up there, I can't remember his name. Um, 
a guy that kind of you know, went off all face there. Uh, Chuck, yeah, okay. You know, you know the thing is, it, it was all. You know, I think everything revolves around a bad, just a bad business decision, not bad intentions. You know, and I think just Barry just got it has, has gotten into problems with bad, just kind of a couple bad business decisions. I'm not gonna sit here and bash Barry, and I don't. I definitely know it was never any bad intentions at all, and uh, and I think that with with help, you know, that won't never happen again. And I think we all need to help, not just us. I think the sponsors, I think the fans, I think everybody needs to help. The media, you know, everybody can help and, and definitely make things right and make it to where we don't get black eyes. The sports don't get a black eye. The players don't look like fools. The sponsors don't look like fools. And the media, you know, because when something happens, it's, it, it gives a black eye to everybody, you know, yeah. not just us. Johnny, uh, we know you've got the 12 board members. When will you start signing up players for your general membership? Well, as of right now, we haven't even taken uh, membership. We, I've had a lot of calls, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm not even looking to sign up anybody at this moment in time because we ha- I, right now we're in the middle of, uh, well, I say we're in the middle. We're, we're trying to move on, you know, getting the, um, I, I thought it was going to be an LLC formed. But from what I understand, an LLC, you can't have a nonprofit, you know, okay. LLC. So, so, uh, and, and Jerry, you and I had talked about that, and you kind of, right. you kind of apprised me of that. And, you know, so I guess it, it just have to be something called different. And I have a couple people I'm talking to that's already formed a few that's in the pool industry. And they, they will help. They'll help. They'll give advice and they'll help us how to structure it. And of course, it's definitely going to be nonprofit. You know, and, and we're gonna we're gonna do fine. I think it's uh, premature to, to sign up people. To you know, we're definitely not looking to take money. You know, and the memberships. You know, if that's the case, you know that if if, if that ever comes about, that would be later. Uh, if it ever comes about, uh, that ain't definitely it ain't we ain't money motivated. You know, try to bring money in. Just hey, okay, let's get money in, and I don't know, split it up. That ain't, we're not money motivated at all. Yeah. And uh, the whole board, I'm speaking for the whole board in this instance. And uh, and anyway, signing people up, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to where we want, we're gonna sign people up, and we want to get to where we form, have something for them to sign up to, which is gonna be a, a organization and a you know corporation, an actual you know we're gonna own the domain name and everything. We're gonna own it all. You know, our association will. And then it'll be something for for guys to sign up to, you know. And then that when that when that comes, and that'll be pretty soon. I, I'm trying to move on as best I can, and with the guys' help, and they're all helping. And it's just uh, it's kind of going a little fast for me too. I will say there's been some great responses, and uh, I didn't know if I was. I, I guess maybe I wasn't ready for it, but uh, we're getting it all all together. It's a very good thing. It's it's just. It was time when the sport needed it. I'm glad everybody's supporting it. Well, do either you or Sean have a just a final comment you'd like to make to the listeners before we call this to a halt? You know what, Sean Putnam's right here, and he'll have, he'll give the final comment uh, and the final say on this. And I'd like to say thanks for everybody for listening. Um, this is a great thing. 
I think um, everybody's going to benefit from it. I think well, the sport is what's going to benefit. And uh, and when the sport benefits, that means everybody involved benefits. And I think uh, thank you so much for you guys, uh, Mike and Jerry. Thank you all so much for your, your help and your support. I'm going to turn it over to Sean and thank everybody so much. Thanks. Hey, how you doing there? Hey, Sean. Good, Sean. We're just curious what message you'd like to uh, leave in the minds of the uh, listeners today as a uh, as a final thought concerning the ABP. Oh, I, I think that the ABP was long overdue. It would have been nice if we could have gotten this thing together like 10 years ago, but if, eventually we knew it had to be done, and no time like the present. we we got to get this done for for future players, for the players right now that that are going to be looking up to the people that are going to start this organization and future young players that are going to actually be thanking us for actually being able to make a living in our sport that we love so much. Well, that's great. And we look, you know, first we wish you all the success in the world. Good luck with everything you're doing. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys down the line. I'm sure we'll see you at the trade show and at the Gem City Classic and at Turning Stone and the U.S. Open. So uh, our paths are going to cross a lot. We'll be talking a lot more, and we'll keep everybody up to date with uh, the progress you folks make. And, uh, yeah, Johnny. Johnny just made me the um, the house pro here at Marietta Billiard Club. So, uh, yeah, things are, things are going well. Good. Well here and... With the board and everything, it's gonna it's gonna be great in the future because we're gonna we're gonna actually be looking to do charity events and stuff like that and kind of kind of build up the sport and make being a professional pool player something to be proud of. And uh, and, and you know we have the Gem City Classic coming here in July uh, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. It's gonna be unbelievable. We're gonna have so many pros down here. All of our friends are coming to support the, the event and to support Johnny. And it's going to be a seminal, seminal tour event also. Mm-hmm. And they, um, we're filling up fast, and we need uh, anybody that's interested in, in getting the uh, getting into playing in the Gem City Classic. We're limiting it to 64 players. So if you're thinking about playing in the tournament, you need to, uh, you need to call and hurt and get your entry fee in. And for all the players and spectators out there, we're having a uh, banquet on Thursday night with autograph signings from the, from a lot of the players. And uh, and who did the players call uh, to, to sign up? Um, they can call a Seminole tour to sign up, or they can they can call here at uh, Marietta Billiard Club. Okay. But, uh, and the the phone number down here is seven seven zero nine seven one nine four three six. Very good. Well, guys, we really do appreciate your time, and uh, we know you're going to be busy. Um, and uh, oh, yeah. like we told Johnny, if there's anything we can do for you here at AZ, just give us a shout. Uh, we definitely appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys at AZ. You're doing a great job, and it's like the main information hotline with you guys. Anybody that wants to know anything about pool, they just log on to AZ Billiards and. You can find out where any tournament's at, which is great because I'm I'm on there constantly. Actually, I'm on there selling pool sticks right now from Putnam Custom Cues. So I, I mean, it's like my lifeline there for selling cues because every cue that I build, uh, the AZ Billiard fans get first crack at almost every cue that I build because as soon as I build it and take pictures, it goes on the 
wanted for sale form on AZ Billiards. So you guys get first crack at it out there. All right, my friend. Y'all keep it in the road, and we will see you very shortly. All right, Jerry. Thanks, thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate everything. Thanks, Sean. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Well, uh, I wish Johnny all the luck in the world with the players' organization. If you look back in history, you can't be overly optimistic because player organizations, uh, well, they, they just don't have a whole lot of staying power, but uh, perhaps this one will be different. Well, I've never argued about the the benefits of a player's organization if it's being handled the right way and if it's being done for the right reasons. Um, I mean, with with Johnny leading the way, um, maybe things can be different this time. Yeah, the, the, what's, what's always happened in the past is you get so many different voices in a player's organization, and they all have a very strong opinion about some one thing, and they want that one thing taken care of. And when you've got, you know, 50 guys who all have one thing that they must have taken care of, it tends to split the organization. Uh, so hopefully they have a single rallying point for this one that they can all focus upon, and once they solve that problem, they can move on to one more problem and solve that one. And... Um, keep it in the road well and something that johnny mentioned um was that all of the votes that they had had so far amongst the board members were unanimous which on the one hand you think well good that means they're all on the same page but on the other hand it really makes you wonder i mean when was the last time you saw 10 top pool players agree on everything uh, I think it was the last time I picked up a dinner tab. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, two very good guests, and I do want to apologize to the listeners. Um, I had teased that we were going to have a particular female guest on the show this time. However, with the new players' organization forming and the U.S. Open on the horizon, we decided to wait on that guest so that we could have Johnny and Barry on the show. Uh, we just felt that three guests would be a little bit too much, but I wasn't just, uh, you know, going for the old bait and switch, and we will have that guest on the show, hopefully, next episode, if she'll make time for us. Uh, but yeah. I, I do remember the promise, and I and we will live up to it. Uh, Jerry, got anything else? Nope, that's about it. Um, Mike, uh, as always, I enjoyed doing the show with you, and uh, folks... We'll have another show just as soon as we're ready to talk again. Thanks for tuning in. And for Run Out Radio, Mike Howerton, I'm Jerry Forsyth. See you later.